Go with me to Matthew chapter 5, if you will. We're going to continue this week talking about being kingdom, being kingdom ready. How many of us want to be kingdom ready? We want to be kingdom ready. Praise God. And we talked about being kingdom ready. I asked the question, are you kingdom ready? Are you and I kingdom ready? And that means, are we ready for the return of the Lord? Are we ready for him to come? But at the same time, that also means, are we living with the kingdom of God in us so that we can impact our world, right? One of the wonderful things that we talked about last week is that Jesus was all about restoring the kingdom, okay? Jesus was all about restoring the kingdom. And I want you to understand something. God never ceased from being king of the world. He is king of the universe, right? He is creator God. But he did, when sin entered into the world, he, he wasn't king of our hearts, And when Jesus came, he came to establish the throne of God back in our hearts and the person of God and the kingdom power of God back in our lives. How many of us are convinced that we need the kingdom power of God in our lives to be good witnesses here on earth? We're convinced of it, man. God didn't save us so that we can go on our own strength. He saved us to fill us so that we can go in his strength. So we're convinced of that today. And we talked about that just to recap, uh, uh, from last week so that you would know where we're at as we continue. We, we affirmed last week that the kingdom of God is not something that is just supposed to be around us, but it is something that is meant to be within us. So therefore, we don't have to succumb to our circumstances or our atmosphere, but we can set the atmosphere because the kingdom is in us. Man, I, I love the idea of this city is blessed because the church is in this city. Are you with me? And if we have the kingdom of God in us, there sh- this city should be blessed. We should be speaking blessing. We should have this more than conqueror attitude because the kingdom of God is in us to affect change in our community. We also said that there are qualities to those who are people of the kingdom of God. Those who are kingdom ready, they have certain qualities. And we talked about the quality of being poor in spirit. And a, a person who's poor in spirit is a person who says, all I have belongs to God. I have nothing. And what I have belongs to the Lord. So someone could be wealthy but be poor in spirit because they have the right heart about what belongs to them. Right? But someone could not have much and yet have the wrong heart because they have entitlement. I'm going to pass. I'm going to go to another point. (laughs) The same time being poor in spirit is this attitude that says, you know what? I know that I'm in need of a Savior. I know that I'm in need of grace. Right? We also talked about uh, uh, the Bible says, blessed are those who mourn. It's a quality of those who are kingdom ready, those who mourn. And here it actually speaks of those who are repentant of their sin. You know, the Bible says that for us to come to Jesus, we have to repent of our sins. We can't have Jesus and the world. We can't have Jesus and the, and, and the sin of the world. We have to let go of one to have the other. The Bible says for those who mourn, those who repent of their sins and turn to Christ... What does the Bible says? Blessed are those who mourn because they will be met by the comfort of God. They will be comforted. Amen. Let's take that to the Lord today. And then third, we talked about being meek. And being meek, a person who is meek or a person who is humble, a person who is gentle, is someone who treats others as more significant than themselves. Now, that doesn't mean that we now go around degrading ourselves, but it means that we treat others with honor. Here's what the Bible says. Those who are meek, they will inherit the earth. When you do the studies there, 
In Jewish culture, culture, when it speaks of them inheriting the earth, it's common for them to think of Canaan, inheriting the promised land, that which God had given them. So for us as believers, we need to understand that those who are humble, those who are meek, those who treat others with respect and with honor are those who inherit the promises of God. How many of us want to inherit the promises of God? A sure way to inherit those promises is treat your neighbor with honor. Treat them like they've been made in the image of God. You know, what the world, you know what our government needs right now. You know what our culture needs right now. You know what the homosexual agenda needs right now. You know, what, you know what media needs right now. They need a meek church. Are you with me? A meek church that is able to love past the differences and show and, and just be the presence of God. Be the presence of God. I said it last week, but I'm still longing for the day where the church is just walking and people just sense God all over us. You know, sense God all over us that it draws them to repentance. It draws them to right relationship with God. That's the kind of power we need to be His witnesses. Amen? So we will continue today and we'll dive into the Beatitudes and the, the other portion of Scripture here. And as we continue to dive there, I'm going to pick up in Matthew chapter 3, verse 8. Uh, excuse me, Matthew chapter 5, 3 through 8. It reads this way. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And blessed are the merciful, for they will obtain mercy. And blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see they will they will see they shall see god father thank you for your scriptures Uh, allow us to dig deep get good understanding and application for life Uh, we pray that your holy spirit would just inundate everything that we are today we're here for your holy spirit we're here for you lord we we want not another service we want the glory of god we don't need another sermon we need a prophetic anointing to help us receive what you got to say today Lord, we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. First thing now I want to dive into here is blessed are those. Again, blessed means blessed, pleasing to God. Those who find favor in His eyes. Those who are whole. Those who are complete. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness' sake. Blessed are those who hunger and and thirst for righteousness sake now i'm going to make a bold assumption here today as we look at that scripture and we try to understand this attribute or this quality of people who are kingdom ready and i'm going to say something that probably you and i don't know what hunger is or thirst i'm going to say that maybe at one point we knew we knew what hung maybe some of us have a story where we you could actually say hey you know I do know what hunger and thirst is. Maybe, maybe there are some of us, but the reality is, is that probably most of us have never really encountered true hunger and, 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 through, uh, and true thirst. Now, well, Pastor, I don't know what you're talking about because right now I'm hungry. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. We started talking hot dog and it, I flatlined. I was like, and you're still preaching. Okay, listen, listen. I, I experience the kind of hunger where I get up in the morning, I eat something, I go to work, and then somewhere around noon, something says, oh, I got to eat, I'm hungry. And then again, that happens uh, somewhere 
I wish that it happened around 6 o'clock that I'd be hungry again, but then somewhere around 1230, um, right? <laughs> right? Uh, but, but, but what I'm talking about, what, the, what Jesus is intending here is not the hunger that is the natural hunger that experience that your body telling, telling you you need to eat. What Jesus is talking about is a famishing, a, a f- being famished. He's talking about someone who is wasting away because of lack of food, la- uh, 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 hungering, uh, hungering again. It, it's someone who is wasting away, thirsty. None of us know what it is to be thirsty. If we can open our faucet and drink the water that comes out, man, we don't know what thirst is. You understand what I'm saying? If we have access to water at any given moment, and that's America. Isn't that a blessing? It's a blessing. I remember just in Dominican Republic when the water truck would come and we would just be excited. You know, we had a ration of water and I was excited about the water. We always had water. I never was thirsty in that way. But can you imagine not having water? It's something that we cannot even conceive. We cannot even conceive, right? So we don't know what being hungry and being thirsty is like to the point of wasting away and, and, and really famishing and deteriorating. And the Bible says, this is the picture that Jesus wants us to get when he says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness sake. In other words, blessed are those who are famishing, who are wasting away for the sake of righteousness. Now, what is Righteousness. You know, I often thought that when the scripture talked about that righteousness, blessed are those who thirst for righteousness sake, I thought that it talked about people who wanted to see justice in the land, people who wanted to see people who live right and, you know, uh, um, just, just was tired of the injustices that they saw in the world. And that's true. But what the scripture really speaks of primarily is the righteousness that comes through Christ alone. Okay. So this verse is actually talking about the righteousness that comes when we're in right relationship with God. What is righteous? What is righteousness to be in right standing with God? To be at peace with God. Right? To be able to know that if we meet God face to face, that our sins won't stand in the way because we are restored before Him. So here the Bible is saying very clearly, Blessed are those who are famishing to be in right standing with God. Blessed are those who are weeping, yearning, longing, deteriorating, desiring to be right with God. Let me tell you something today. If you're here today and you're battling right now, Because within you know that the sin sickness in your life is keeping you from being in right standing with God. Maybe right now you're finding yourself battling with condemnation, knowing that you are separated from God because of the way that you're living. Maybe right now you know that you know that if Jesus were to come right now, that you would not go into eternity with him. And you're not really excited about the reality of Jesus coming anytime this week. If you're here and that's you, I want you to know something. No one desires for you to be in right standing with God more than God. No one. No one longs for you to be in right standing with God more than God. And if everything within you is falling, if you recognize, I am deteriorating, I am wasting away, I am tired of this life, I I long to be in right standing with God, you're going to find a God that says to you, yes. Come to me. You who are heavy burdened, you who are tired, you who are weary, come to me and I will give you rest. 
Why are we tired? Because we are workers of sin, workers of iniquity. And sin only has one payment, death. Whether it's minimum wage or a high salary, sin pays the same currency, death. And Jesus says to us, let go of that. Come to me and I will give you rest. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that who would, whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. And here's the deal. To get the next verse, God didn't send his son to judge the world, but that the, judge, the world through him would be saved. Did you receive that today? You received that today? If you're broken today, if you're right now entangled by sin, Jesus sets free. And he longs, he longs to restore you. This is what the Bible says. Blessed are those, blessed are those who hunger and thirst to be in right standing with me. Because they will be satisfied. And I don't know about you, but I know something about sin in my life. It never satisfied. Just, it just increased. The bondage got bigger. The stronghold took over to another level. But praise God. Praise God for a Savior who saved me while I was still a sinner. Anybody still excited about that today? That's good news. One of the quality of the believer, those who follow Jesus, is the quality of those, they, they, you know, it begins with people who hunger and thirst to be in right standing with God. And I just, I want to share with you the good news, whether you heard it before, if it's the first time you heard it. God is the God who restores those who hunger and thirst to be in right standing with Him. So we go on, the scripture reads, blessed by, uh, scripture reads, blessed are those. Uh, let me move on. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will receive mercy. Blessed are those who are merciful, for they will receive mercy. Now here when we see the word merciful, I want you to think not just considering a time when we showed mercy to someone or just an act of mercy, but I want you to think about the character trait of being merciful sometimes i show mercy you know somebody offends me i show mercy i may not want to show mercy vakiva you know what i'm saying it's like i forgive you but you know it's because the bible tells me right right and so we 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 may show mercy because it's our duty and that's good and courageous and it takes faith but here the bible doesn't say blessed are those who show mercy the bible says blessed are those who are merciful and the whole point is your DNA, your very nature. If someone were to look at you, would they say that person, what, what sticks out the most of that person? Well, Carlos is a person of mercy. He's always so merciful with me. Wow. What a quality to have. Are you with me? I, I love my merciful friends. <laughs> I keep them around. Anybody with me? Who doesn't love a friend who's merciful? Right, because mercy is what? forgiveness right mercy mercy is uh giving us what we do not deserve because what i do deserve i don't even want to talk about so i love to have friends who show me mercy because they treat me in ways i do not deserve even when i fail them i know that you don't fail your friends but sometimes it happens with me 
It's too quiet in here. Is anybody with me here? Everybody likes to keep people around them that are merciful. Because merciful people speak life. You know, just yesterday, you know, if I pray for anything in my life at this point, one of the things that I pray for is, God, I don't want to show mercy. I want to I be merciful. My wife needs me to be merciful. My children need me to be merciful. My church, the church needs me to be merciful. My friends need me to be merciful. And yet I'm going to, well, I get, this is confession time. Because your pastor dropped the ball yesterday. You know, I'm sitting there and I serve my daughter a bowl of cereal. And it's a full bowl of cereal. And you know, kids, they're just distracted and rolling around and all this instead of eating their cereal. And she knocked the cereal over, a full bowl of cereal all over. And I just got so upset because things weren't done right. And I, and I screamed at her. I said, get it right. Stay focused. And then I cleaned it up and I gave her a banana and she looked at me and she said, okay, dad, I can eat this because I can't spill this. (laughs) She just looked at me like, I'm going to get it right this time, dad. And it broke my heart because I was like, it's not that big a deal. And I felt like the Lord was saying, no, it, it is a big deal because you made it a big deal to her in her eyes. And it hit me and God began to, uh, this is the, the way the Lord deals with me, but I begin to think this way as I believe the Holy Spirit instructed me if your family sees more of your displeasure and mercy you're going to lose their hearts if your wife sees more of your displeasure and more than your mercy you're going to lose her heart if your children if your girls see more of your displeasure or more of your correction to get things right than they see your mercy you're going to lose your children if you lose your house you lose your witness you lose your witness if you're not gentle with your wife you can't even pray to me son you know the bible says that very clearly very clearly for us husbands listen to me we cannot even approach the throne of grace in prayer if we're not gentle with our wives that's a deep word so i pray to god god give me a spirit of mercy give me a nature of mercy they the mercy will receive mercy. Now let's go to the scriptures that encourage us to to be merciful. Jesus taught the disciples to pray this way. And in verse 12, he said, And forgive us our debts as we also forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses or your sins isn't that deep now i want you to notice something about that prayer that got my attention we all know the lord's prayer right our father who art in heaven hallowed be done we we're familiar with it isn't it interesting that the only thing that jesus reiterates is the forgiveness part he doesn't reiterate glorify god as father he doesn't reiterate pray for the kingdom to come he doesn't reiterate pray for provision that you need he reiterates the forgiveness part Forgive me as I forgive those who sin against me. And then after he ends the prayer, he says, because if you forgive those who sin against you, your sins will be forgiven. But if you don't forgive, you will not be forgiven. You know why he had to reiterate that? Because he knew knew that you and I would have an issue with forgiveness. Anybody in the house can say amen to that. He knew that we would have an issue with this. But forgiveness is the very nature of who God is. 
Colossians 3, 12 through 14. Put on then as God's chosen people. Put it on. In other words, this is an action that you have to take. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you. So how am I supposed to forgive my brother? As the Lord has forgiven me. That's, that's intense. Uh, just think about the intensity of that. How am I supposed to forgive those, my brother in Christ? As Jesus has forgiven me. I can only think of the things that I've done against him. And to think that Jesus has taken all that and he's forgotten it. And he draws me close to him so that I can be in the holy of holies, an intimate relationship with him. It's incredible. Think about that. And above all, these put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. James 2, 12 to 13. So speak and so act as those who are to be judged under the law of liberty. In other words, live your lives, the things that you say, the things that you do, live it understanding that you will be judged or you will be evaluated under the law of liberty. And what's the law of liberty? The law of liberty is this. Jesus Christ set us free from our sin, right? The bondage of sin has been broken of us, from us. So now, as believers, you know, we know that our, we are going to be evaluated by the commandment of the Lord. What, what is that? Love the Lord our God with all our heart, mind, and strength. And love our neighbor as we love ourselves. We are to live this way, right? And then verse 13, it's in, uh, verse uh, 13, bearing with one, excuse me, verse 13, for judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. For judgment is without mercy to one who has shown no mercy. But mercy triumphs over judgment. I want you to think about this. Before we just move on. What if God's judgment over you triumphed over his mercy? Think of the ramifications of that. What if God's judgment over in the Bible, what if his judgment would have triumphed over mercy? We wouldn't even be here. We wouldn't even exist. You understand what I'm saying? Mercy triumphed over judgment. You want a sure way to you want to know a sure way to receive mercy from God? Be merciful to others. Be merciful to others. Now, again, it's not just an act of kindness, but let's pray, oh God, teach us to be people with a character of mercy. And as we go on, blessed are the pure in heart, and we'll close with this one. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, I want to show you what the Scripture teaches us to be, what, what the Scripture teaches us in regards to purity. What does it mean to be pure in heart? What does it mean? Well, the Bible says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they uh, will see God. Number one, when it talks about seeing God, it's not just seeing God. Oh, I got to see, I got to, uh, uh, my eyes got to see God. But it's actually talking about delighting in God. Blessed are the pure in heart because they are the ones that will feast, almost as if it were a feast. They will feast and delight in all that God is. Anybody excited about that? 
Now, purity, I want you to know what purity is, but before I talk about what purity is, I want to tell you what it's not. Purity is not perfection. Glory to God. Anybody excited about that? Purity is not perfection. We can make mistakes and be pure in heart. We can fall short and purely desire to please Him. God knows how we are built. God knows that we fall short. Purity is not being uh, necessarily immune to sin. No way. We will be tempted. We will struggle. Our minds will have all kinds of disgusting things that come in there. Why? Because there are still demons who are miserable and misery loves company. They will put these thoughts in our minds that are not of God that we're going to learn. We have to learn to keep captive and make sure that we honor God with the meditation of our hearts, right? But those things are going to come and some seasons are going to be stronger than others, right? But in the midst of that, that stuff doesn't make us less pure. That just means that we're human. We can be pure by the blood of the Lamb, right? Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. I want to show you. Uh, now, as we go on, purity is, is not perfection. Purity doesn't come with knowledge or through climbing the religious ladder of success. Let me, let me say that again. Purity doesn't come with knowledge or through climbing the religious ladder of success. I want you to think of the Pharisees. They had all kinds of ways to wash things. Wash your feet this way. Wash your hands that way. And what did Jesus say to them? You're like, you're like whitewashed tombs. You look beautiful on the outside, sparkling, but everything dead is within you. That's offensive. That's like, he didn't say like one thing that's dead. He didn't say there's a couple things that are dead. He said everything that, everything that describes death lives within you. That's right, brother. Say amen. Wave that hand. Somebody's got to be a witness. We can come to church, dress the part, speak the part, act the part, play the part, and be dead within. Are you with me today? So what does it mean to be pure in heart? Psalm 24, there's a connection there. Psalm 24, I'm going to read verse 3 on down. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord and who shall stand in the holy place? In other words, who will be those who will delight, who will see the face of God? Who will be those who will be in his presence? He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false or to another and does not swear deceitfully. So what does pure in heart mean? Number one, if we're pure in heart, we do not lift our soul to that which is false. Or to other gods. Okay? Well, we got to ask ourselves this question. What is that we desire most in our life? What is it that we're putting our hope on? What is it that we're entrusting our finances to? What is it that we're entrusting our relationships and our peace to? Right? We got to begin to just pray to the Lord. Very openly and honestly, God, is there an idol? Is there something that I'm depending on that is not you, that you're wanting to purge off of my life so that I can be pure in heart? Because what I think is that it's very easy today in our culture not to have Jesus as Lord, but rather to employ Jesus as if it were another application on our phone that's a benefit to us. I use this application for that. I use this application for this. I use this application for this. God says... If you have me, you have nothing else. Not in the throne of your heart. 
And I can't go into the details of what idol is this, what idol is. All I know is that we battle with idolatry because we've been created for worship. Are you with me? You and I have been created for worship. And if we're not worshiping God, we're going to be worshiping someone or something. It's what we're worshiping worth our attention and our affection today. Those who are pure in heart are those who don't lift their souls to another. And I encourage you to pray and say, Lord, is there something in my heart that's taking your place? I'm super convinced that the Holy Ghost will show you. And then the other part that defines purity here. He who has clean hands and a pure heart, who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully, deceitfully. He will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him, who seek the face of the God of Jacob. Now, swearing deceitfully. Why would somebody lie? Why does somebody lie? Let's talk to me for a little bit. I'm not offended. Out of fear. Fear of what? Consequences. Why else does somebody lie? Shame. Huh? Favor. Right? To benefit yourself. So when you lie, what are you giving up? You're giving up truth. For the sake of what? Whatever you stand to gain. So that which you stand to gain becomes your God. Any moment we lie in order for, and cover up the truth, what we're saying is it's worth lying for the benefit that comes from this lie. Whether it be a big lie or what we call a white lie. Are you with me? Lying in itself means that we are not worshiping the Lord, but rather that we worship another. I don't know about you, but that's a, that convicts me about the power of my words and the things that I should say. Anybody with me today? Or, lying in itself says, I do, I, I do not put my trust in God. I do not want to deal with the consequences of truth. That's a, and the thing is, is that we build this world of lies around us. You know, and, and then we can find ourselves at a place where we don't even know what the truth is. And it, it could happen at the church. You know, I remember just, you know, in places where the glory of God is showing up, there will be some preachers that would just push people down. Supposed to be slain in the spirit. I'm not judging all who do, who do that, but I remember a pastor of mine who says, I don't welcome anyone who's pushing people around. Because when they're 20, year, 20 years from now, they're going to wonder, was that God? Or was I just pushed down? They're going to be confused in their faith. You know, th- we have to be truthful about the way we do ministry and the way that we do life. At the deepest level, truth matters. Our character matters before God. And a cultural lie cannot welcome the Holy Ghost. Can I say that today? Can I say that today? Man, I tell you, man, that I, it's, it's incredible when you find people who live in this culture of lies. It's like they're 
lying to you and they just, there's no conviction there. Because what happens is we desensitize ourselves because the benefit of the lie becomes greater than our worship of our God. You know the way we do our income taxes? The way we talk to our bosses. And I remember sitting in my office. I'm going to tell you. Pastor's just telling on himself. My goodness. Working at therapy. When I was doing therapy for teens who had substance abuse and chemical dependency. Here we are trying to curb a culture of lies and young people. And there I was. I was irreverent at the, in my workplace. My workplace had a certain dress code. And I didn't abide by it. And my boss said. that She looked at me and she said, okay, Carlos. Uh, why aren't you dressed the way that I expect you to be dressed in this office? And I said, well, I have planned to take the kids out to this place, and I know that I can be dressed like that when I, was, when I can take the kids out. Now, I didn't have that plan at all, but after she confronted me, I did have a plan. Oh, you've never done that. Okay. By the way, I was a Christian, discipler, preacher, and all that. Okay, are you with me? You know, and then I was like, okay, I got away from that one. She said, oh, okay. And I sat in my cubicle, and I was good to go because my lie, you know, was so good, and I can actually make my lie a truth, so it's not bad because I just made my lie a truth. You don't think this way, I know. So, you know, so as I'm sitting in my cubicle, 